This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about college football. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello again, everybody. This is Evan Grant for the Dallas Morning News, Sports Day DFW, DallasNews.com, and AHB Low Corporation's Ballsy Podcast. I am in the studio here at 1954 Commerce Street, and uh, I'm joined by absolutely nobody. But on our phone is uh, our first-time college guest this year, um, a man by the name of Kevin Sherrington. Kevin, are you there? I'm here, Evan. Where are you, Kevin? Well, I'm in the parking garage at UT, uh, and I'm on my way in a few minutes after our podcast. I have to go over and interview young football players uh, who are getting ready for this big game at the State Fair. Uh, what game is that, Kevin? That would be Texas OU. All right, so uh, what do we got on Texas OU this year? What do we got? Well, it's that, it's that kind of insightful question that has made you the reporter you are today. What do we got on Texas OU? Talk what, about, what Kevin, Kevin, hang on. Let me rephrase that. Uh, talk about Texas OU. Talk about it. Yeah, that's always a good one. Let me just slap that right out there. Uh, what you got is a really good Oklahoma team uh, that is leading the nation in offense. Not by a little either. Uh, this is a stunning. But are they a really good Oklahoma team, or have they just yeah, not they been are. tested? Well, that's what everybody. That's what all Texas fans want to say is that ah, uh, they who have they really played? Who who did they beat? Uh, and and my answer to that is that well, Texas played LSU and they didn't beat LSU. So, right. uh, so it's not like you can really say that yeah, well we we've, we've done something that Oklahoma hasn't. Um, so uh, the thing is, uh, my stat I was going to give you that you cut me off uh, was that they're averaging 9.9 yards per play. So they're getting a first down on every play. Every play is <laughs> a first down. I think that Tom Herman said yesterday that there were only they were averaging eight third downs a game. That they only get to third down eight times a game. So it's a, it's a pretty remarkable uh, performance so far. Jalen Hurts has been really good. And, of course, you know, we knew he was good, and we knew he, he, he would be good. He's looked a lot better throwing the ball this year than he ever did at Alabama. Uh, I don't know if that's because of the position they're putting him in uh, more often or just the quality of the opponents. Uh, we'll see what it does when the, when the, you know, the schedule ramps up a little bit. But he's certainly been everything they could have wanted him to be. Yeah, he, he, I, I, I'm, I'm actually happy for Jalen Hurts. I, I, I think he, uh, he, he really kind of uh, 
was on the short end of the stick there, lost the job um, in the national championship game and just has never gotten it back. And, and he has performed really well at Oklahoma. Um, but what do you say about the lack of, 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 of opponents at this point? Do you feel like the 5-0 and record and, and, and the number six ranking is – is adequate? Should they be ahead of LSU? Or, you know, I mean, they are they are right there with LSU right now. And you saw LSU-Texas. You're going to you're gonna see this Oklahoma team on Saturday. What's your take there? Well, I mean, you got to put LSU in front. I mean, LSU went to Austin and beat a pretty good Texas team and beat them. They right. didn't beat them, you know, handily, but they beat them, you know. Uh, and so uh, that's pretty impressive uh, to go on the road and beat a, a good team and a, and a pretty – a big time environment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to LSU to nod right now. Now, uh, what happens going forward? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I do know this: LSU is going to have a lot tougher road than Oklahoma is. Uh, you know, they're going to play a lot tougher schedule when they finish it out. You know, Oklahoma, they get by this week. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure who else in the Big Twelve is going to give them much competition. Right. I, I know Baylor's Baylor's played very well, but they haven't played anybody either. Uh, I just think that Oklahoma's offense. Now we can say they haven't played anybody. They're just, but they're really good. They, you know, CD Lamb and and uh, and this this crew. This might be the best receiving bunch in the country. I know Clemson's is really good as well, uh, and Alabama always has good receivers. <clears throat> but uh, they are just really good. These are NFL caliber players. So. Uh, and the problem that Oklahoma's presenting for people, and this came up at, at Tom Herman's press conference Monday, is that, you know, why is it that Jalen Hurts always looks like he's just running free? Isn't anybody accounting for him, you know, uh, on the field? And the situation is is that, as Tom said, well, you got to cover C.D. Lamb. you got to cover Charleston Weathers. you got to cover all these other receivers. You, you can't just run off and leave them right. because – He'll he'll do what he did uh, in a game earlier this year, in which he he starts to run forward uh, and it's, and he's wide and he's wide open. And there's a huge hole in front of him. The safety leaves the receiver, comes up to tackle him, and then uh, Hurt stops, tosses it over the uh, safety's head, and it's a touchdown. So you know that that's the that's the issue that's presented here with with Jalen Hurts. You know he just he's uh, he's he's a very different player. From obviously from Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Baker's pretty much just a thrower, a great thrower, very accurate, extremely accurate. Kyler, uh, a really dynamic player, uh, unbelievably quick and fast, also a very good passer. Jalen is not the same. He does not throw the ball nearly as well as either either of those two guys, but he, he throws it well enough, and he's a much uh, tougher runner, much bigger more physical runner than than either one of those guys. Yeah, he, he he's a real threat as a runner. I just I just for for those listening, for the multitudes listening, um, Multitude. just to bring up like your uh, your point on LSU's road. Their their next four weeks are at home against Florida, on the road at Mississippi State, uh, at home against Auburn, and then at Alabama. So. They've got three of the top 12 teams um, in the country over the next four weeks. So, yeah, their schedule's a little bit tougher. Um, yeah, this is this is the problem that A&M found out about going to the SEC. It's just so hard to survive all of that. Yep. And, and in the end, 
I really think, and I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction now about the college football playoff. Are you ready? Yeah, you, you're giving, going to give me four teams? I'm going to give you four teams. All right, give me four. Okay, all right. Ohio State gets in because they can't leave out the Big Ten. Ohio, Ohio State will be in. Kevin, I just kicked okay? over a chair, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want you to get that excited. So Ohio State's in. Uh-huh. Uh, Oklahoma gets in because they'll be undefeated. Okay. Big 12. All right, so that's two. Uh, and then uh, Clemson gets in because their their season's already over. Uh, that's three. Okay. And then four will be the SEC champion. I'm not ready to predict that that is uh, Alabama yet. Uh, I, I don't think Alabama's as good as it has been uh, in recent years, uh, and, and it's certainly possible that someone else comes out of the SEC. But uh, but it'll it'll be a team from the SEC. Let me so that's just, my four. Can I just say this? If the final four, if the final four were to be, and this is not out of the realm of possibilities because it has happened before, but if the final four were to be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma, you would have four quarterbacks who either started who started their careers at either Alabama or Georgia as your final four quarterbacks. Is that right? I hadn't even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, because you'd have sure? two Tua. And Hertz from Alabama, and then you'd have Jake yeah. Fromm and Josh and uh, uh, Josh Fields from uh, or Justin Fields from Ohio State. Oh, but you didn't have Clemson in there, though. No, I did not have Clemson. No, but I mean that's. Yeah, I'm so just that's, saying that's that's it's a realistic possibility. But I just I I I, I guess that's the uh, the impact of the transfer portal these days. Well, it is, uh, you know, and I, I know some people, uh, I got into a little bit of a Twitter argument the other day with a guy who was saying that, the, oh, how could the transfer portal have changed everything so much? And I said, well, I, you know, I, the way it's changed everything is that people can negotiate, you know, during the season. You get in the transfer portal, you can be, you can talk to whoever you want to. Uh, and you, there's no paperwork involved. It's all just, you know, open dialogue with, with any and everybody, and, and, uh, and off you go. And, it, and you know, and, you know it, makes, it makes college football something more uh, transient, which sounds bad. But, I, honestly, I have no issue with it at this point. I, 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 these kids, you know, if these kids get an opportunity to go play somewhere, let them go play. Oh, I, I, well, I agree 100%. You know, look, here, here's the thing with, with, you know, the only people who complain about this kind of stuff, the uh, only people who complain about a lack of loyalty in life are the people who stand to gain the most from it. Correct. You know, from from your loyalty. You know, and that's what fans will say. Oh, that guy's a jerk. He he left. You know. Well, you know, look what happened uh, with Baker Mayfield, and that was before the portal. But when right. he left Texas Tech to go to Oklahoma, was he going to get a chance to play at Texas Tech? Not not with Patrick Mahomes coming. Right. He wasn't. And uh, and you know. That was the crazy thing about that is that Cliff Kingsbury loses a Heisman Trophy winner and the first pick of the draft, a guy who ends up being those two things, and he ends up with a better quarterback. I mean, that's that's unbelievable right. that you could have that kind of recognition factor. But you know, that's the thing about playing quarterback. They're only going to play one. Right. You know, until And you can say all you want to, oh, well, what if, it, what if that guy gets hurt? It's like, well, you know. In college football, it just doesn't happen as much, uh, and it, you know because you don't play as many games, and and uh, uh, it's it just it's just not it's just not something, and that's an unhealthy environment anyway. Yeah, I'm going to hang out here and hope that you get hurt. Uh, you know, it, it's just a, a difficult thing to ask a kid to do that, especially if he's a kid who looks like he's got pro potential. You know, you've only got so much time to make your case. All right, so. Um... 
I want to move in. We I want to talk about Texas OU. I, I want to get into uh, I want to get into SMU in just a second, and we'll we'll wrap it up quickly on that. But <coughs> what what um, I I didn't use the cough button again, Kevin. Um, good, good job. Uh, what do you have uh, in terms of a prediction on Oklahoma Texas this week? Oh, I think it'll be a really high scoring game, uh, like always. That you know, Oklahoma brought in a new uh, defensive staff, uh, and so they. They looked a little bit better, but you know they haven't really played anybody very good, and and uh, I don't think that they're they 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 don't seem to have uh, the personnel that they used to have at Oklahoma on defense. It has become like most of the schools in the Big Twelve very offensive oriented, and uh, and they're just really good at it, and they're going to outscore you. So you know, last year was a was a really fun game to watch. Uh, Texas goes out to a big lead, and then Kyler Murray just turned it on. At the end, and it, and it ended up being just a a real fun, you know, forty eight forty five game. I, I would predict that it would be something in that uh, in that realm again. Probably uh, Oklahoma will score in the forties, and Texas will probably get in the thirties. I, I would I'm going to say forty two to thirty five Oklahoma. So very similar to the Texas LSU game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, they they just oh, Texas problem is that the, now that secondary. Looked really good last week against West Virginia and Austin Kendall intercepted him four times. I, I realize that you know you know uh, Jalen Hurts is better than Austin Kendall, but one of those interceptions uh, by a Texas DB was just a phenomenal athletic play. Uh, and so it wasn't like you know one of these situations where Austin Kendall just threw it to a, a, a Texas DB. Uh, Texas problem is that you know they they still have some injuries. They're very young in their secondary. That's going to be a lot to ask of them to keep up with Oklahoma's wide receivers and uh, and the, the, and the kind of offense that Lincoln Riley is going to going to direct. I just I just don't see that being being something that they can overcome. You know, they're going to have to they're going to have to you know stop Hurts from taking off on long runs. Uh, you know, I would I would expect that means that they'll put a spy on him. But if, you, but if you do that and put a guy on the quarterback, well, now you're taking away, you know, somebody who could be in coverage and, and trying to help out a little bit. So that's just going to be really problematic for Texas in the long run. And I don't want to dismiss Sam Ellinger either because, you know, that's, that's a, an interesting – he's an interesting uh, question for me this year is that, you know, uh, why, isn't, why isn't Sam getting more – Heisman talk. He's done a lot of good things for Texas this year. Uh, I think he is Texas. You know, he is all of their hopes ride on him. Right. Uh, all their hopes ride on him, both as a passer and a runner. You know, he's a, he's a quarterback very similar to Jalen Hurts. A big, tough guy. Uh, runs really hard. Uh, you know, I think he throws the ball a little better than Jalen does. But it's very, very close to being the same thing. I think they're uh, very similar quarterbacks, to be honest with you. I think Sam, you know, my close-up experience with Sam was the West Virginia game and the shootout that was the West Virginia game last year. Uh, and and my takeaway from that is he's much more dangerous when he is when he is running the ball and, than when he tries to set his feet and throw. Um, and uh, he can he can have the same impact on defenses. He's a tough runner too. Uh, when when he takes off with the ball and improvises a little bit, uh, I think he's a really dangerous a really dangerous uh, offensive weapon. Well, there's no question about that, and 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 that's the 
you know, you got to account for a guy like him, and that's just a difficult thing to do. You know, it's uh, kind of what a little bit of my argument last week, uh, writing about Dak Prescott going into that game against Green Bay, and then he goes out and has his, his worst game as a professional. Uh, but my point about him was more so not turning him into a gunslinger, but letting him do the things that he does naturally so well, the, you know, rollouts and bootlegs yep. and, and no huddle and all the things that he did in college that that, that present, uh, you know, uh, an element in the game plan where you have these – the defense has to wonder, well, what is he going to do now? You know, it's, it's not a question of, oh, well, this is what he does on this play. It is that, you know, that element of surprise, of this is just something that just happened, it was spontaneous, and we can't account for that kind of athleticism. Uh, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, all right, so and how many uh, corny dogs will you eat Saturday? Well, you know what? I've already been to the fair twice. I went last uh, Friday and last Saturday. We had family in town, and so we went, and I had one and a half on Friday. I had the rest of Madeline's, and then on Saturday I had one of my own. I'm going to, you know, I try just have my, you know, I cut it to like one, one per, per visit. So you're not going to get the double figures through the through the end of the fair this year? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, I'm counting on going back one more time after after Saturday. Well, we we can all hope, Kevin. I, I I'm going to hope that you can reach double digits. Yeah, me too. Do um, you want to talk about SMU and the and the, the undefeated Mustangs? Yeah. So let's talk about like scenarios in which uh, programs could generate two quarterbacks in the playoff uh, scenario. So if Texas and SMU both make it. Um, then there's two Texas quarterbacks in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> if Texas and SMU both make it, something is half hell has frozen over. But anyway, that was uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, yeah i I watched the i i I watched the fourth quarter in the overtimes of the SMU game. Um, it was. Interesting and entertaining football. I don't know that I came away from that thinking that SMU is a, uh, how to put this, like a UCF caliber surprise type team. Um, I I think they're off to a very nice start. I just don't know that um, uh, I can see this, uh, I I can see the fruition of a, a, certainly of an undefeated season, um, and I'm not sure where I'd stand on, on them winning the conference overall. I, I think, you know, the, the, the Temple Houston Memphis gauntlet is a pretty good gauntlet for them. And they've still got Navy in Annapolis and Navy's a pretty good team this year too. So. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, the, there's no, no question. The toughest part of their schedule is coming up. Uh, and, and that was disappointing for me to see them struggle so much with Tulsa. Tulsa's not very good. And, and, and it, it Tulsa doesn't miss field goals left and right. Correct. You know, uh, they they win that game, and so uh, you, you after their start, they simply could not play that way. Now everybody has a has a bad game at some point when things are inexplicable, and why did this happen? And and, uh, and you and you can't you know uh, denigrate a team too much for that. But it was disappointing to see them play that way. Uh, the, the the thing is that they're they're bowl eligible now, um, and I, I would. Uh, I think it'd be disappointing if they didn't win at least eight games. I mm-hmm. think nine games would be a really great season for SMU. I just think it's going to be really difficult to get to the rest of that. I, I think, you know, Houston has uh, struggled this year, 
but they've got uh, a lot. That's a good team. Uh, and and I and they they played a really tough schedule. I think that's going to be a hard game for for SMU. You know, maybe it'll be a hard game for SMU. Memphis will be a hard game. You're I right. I, could, I see them winning. Um, I see them winning. Uh, the home games: Temple and, and East Carolina. Um, the I think the Tulane game is a little bit of a toss-up, but I think the road games, Memphis and Navy, are going to be their downfall. Look, if they win those last, if they win the last three home games, they're it's it's a nine and two season for them, um, and that's uh that's pretty that that's pretty special for SMU. Oh, absolutely, it is, and and you know uh, then they've done a lot of that on the back of not only uh, you know Shane Bouchelle and how well he has played for the Mustangs and, and what Sonny Dykes is doing. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Chuck Hickson the other day, the old SMU quarterback, great quarterback from the 60s, who also uh, played for the Chiefs briefly. And uh, uh, he said, you know, what he, really strikes him about this team, and he, he lives in Dallas and com- does commercial real estate, and he, he's been the president of the Letterman's Club, so he's very close to the program. And he said what strikes him about this team is that both of the defense the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator are guys who are doing a really uh, great job, you know. So Red Ashley, offensive coordinator, and Trey Haverty, the defensive coordinator, making really good calls uh, and doing really good things. But they're also they they probably got more mileage out of the transfer portal and the transfers in general than maybe any D one team in the country. Well, so they cer- got certainly 16, more. Sixteen of twenty two. Sixteen of twenty two starters are transfers. Certainly they've gotten more out of it than like the group of five schools. You know, there's been some higher profile guys in the transfer portal, some some bigger impact guys in the transfer portal. But, yeah, they have remade their overall roster with uh, with transfers. And, and, look, that's what they were going to have to do. This We've sat here for, for 30 years watching this, this team and, and this university's athletic program basically be decimated by the death penalty, and and they were going to have to take some extreme measures to be relevant again, and to get back in the top twenty-five. And and I I think that that some of the start last week against Tulsa has to be attributed to maybe some of the pressure that they felt actually with a top twenty-five ranking, um, with an anticipated crowd. Certainly, the mistake of not fielding a kickoff—that's that's just a that's just a mental error right there. Um, and and this, the the Dykes and sportsmanlike conduct penalty. Although I guess this is kind of an epidemic amongst area coaches now. Um, since <laughs> Jason picked up one on Sunday. Um, yeah. I, I I I think that they felt some pressure, and if they still manage to get down by three touchdowns, come back and win that game, regardless of how. Tulsa shot itself in the foot late in in, in that game. Um, that's a big step forward, and maybe it does propel them uh, and allows them to win one of these games that we probably had them down for a loss. Yeah, let me ask you this, Evan, because this is an interesting uh, question to me. You know, and and I'm a JUCO guy, so I can say this: uh, when you were uh, when you were putting together a team, it was always looked down upon the really big time programs. We don't we don't take JUCO transfers, you know. We we take kids, we recruit them as freshmen, and bring them in here, and they spend three or four years here, and we build them up, and we create something, and that's what we do. Uh, what? How do you feel? I, I don't get the same feeling 
that uh, that people have that. Uh, I just think I think the entire place. landscape has changed. I think the transfer yeah. portal has has helped change the landscape because now kids know that they can go to a program if they don't if they don't succeed if they don't get playing time they can go somewhere else and play immediately. I think that there are kids who feel like rather than rather than go into a program and not get to play for a year or two, I can go to a junior college program and get all the reps and get game time speed uh, reps and improve myself and be in a position to, if not go to a Power 5 conference, go to a pretty good Group of 5 program and, and make an impact there. Um, so it's it's another avenue. And I think the other part of that is you've seen a lot more – uh, migration now to Division One programs. There are a lot more Division One programs than there were uh, ten years ago. Um, my alma mater being among them, uh, and I believe Dan Ellington, the quarterback at Georgia State, who who had a great week last week. I think he is. He, he's a transfer from one of the Mississippi junior colleges. So I, I think there's there, there's a lot more opportunity, and it, it it shouldn't be looked down. We don't we we talk in general right now, right about. Look, if you if you can't get into to a school um, as as a as a student that you is your dream school, um, or if you can't uh, if you can't afford it, there's nothing wrong with going to a junior college, getting those classes, uh, and and getting that kind of base, and then and then moving for your last two years. It's just a smart way to do things. That applies for whether it's academics or athletics. I think. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it's it's interesting. I just uh, you know, cause I, I mean, but you went you went from a junior college backwards to uh, the University of Houston. <laughs> that was a shot. Well, wow! Yeah, I had to get it back. I had to give you a shot after Houston waxed my Georgia State's in the NCAA's. So yeah, that's true. That happens. Well, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's it's an interesting question because because you know, first of all, a lot of kids, you know, and athletes as we know, uh, don't stay four years at a school even if you go there as a freshman. You know, yep. if you're good enough, you 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 turn pro and go early. So, so I I think that uh, that what we're seeing here is is a situation where uh, there is a lot more flux in in, in programs and certainly in rosters in college football. And you're going to see more movement. You're going to see more guys uh, moving along. And you're going to see guys who go in and they play. They come in and they play somewhere, whether it's as a graduate transfer or which I, you know, I know that some people complain about those. It's like, how can you complain about a kid who graduated? You can't. You know, he did everything he was supposed to do. He graduated. He he should get to go wherever he wants. I'd go so far as to say, look, you graduate in four years, you automatically get a fifth-year eligibility. That's your reward. I think I'm I'm with you. That think what that would do for graduation rates in football oh. if they if they did that kind of thing. You know, I just think that you know I know that that uh, some people don't like it, and it's funny to hear you know, if you talk to uh, Sonny Dykes and and he and Sam Bloom did our SMU beat writer and talked about uh, you know the transfer portal. And he goes, well, I'm not really sure. I, I I agree with the concept of it, but boy, sure, it's been good for us. It's like, well, yeah, it's been good for you. Yes. And if you know, and if it's good course, for you, then you should be okay with it being good for others too. So, yeah, absolutely, and you know, and that goes back to that old thing: if coaches can leave anytime they want to and go wherever they want to, I got to tell you, uh, I, I think there needs to be some restrictions on it because you don't want to have this chaos out there. But it certainly needs to be easier for players to do the same. I agree. And speaking of going anywhere that they want to, um, 
David Moore has actually come into the studio. He was conscientious enough to um, make it in here today as opposed to you. Um, and so we're going to move on to talk about the Cowboys and talk about problems. Ask him, ask him when you get on there and say, was it the fact that Sherrington wrote that they should put the offense in the lap of Dak Prescott instead of Zeke Elliott, if that was what ultimately went wrong in that well, game? Well, since this week we won't have to paraphrase him um, on, on the podcast, <laughs> I'll, I, I will ask him it just straight up. Um, but I, I, I assume there will be plenty of Dak questions uh, on the podcast oh, yeah. this week. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to let you go. You you go run along. Um, if you happen to see a really cute girl walking around campus, say hello to Natalie for me. Uh, and tell her her stepdad misses her. I love to see Natalie. That'd be fun. All right. Well, we'll let you run, Kevin. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the College Football Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.